He died for you. He died for me. From our sin, He set us free. He loved us so. His life He gave. So if we ask, we can be. Hello, I'm Rick Hurtless, founder of His Gospel Power. Thank you for joining with our program once again. We have been talking about the last days, of course. We're talking about this Christmas season that we are in and our, how our focus should be on Jesus Christ every single day of the year, but maybe even more so this time of the year all the way through Easter. The, the, the season does not end on December 25th, it should con- continue all the way through Easter and then start all over again. If you're a Christian, your focus should be on Jesus Christ every single day of the year as you walk in the power of Jesus Christ. And so we're on Second Peter, first chapter. We started on the 16th verse. I'm going to um, start on the 17th today, reiterate the 17th verse again. The first chapter, one 117. He received honor and glory from God the Father with, when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love and am well pleased. Verse 18. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. So Peter is talking about uh, how this... He's now talking about the, the uh, transfiguration is what Peter is talking about here. And he's talking about how... Uh, God came to him on that mountain as well. They witnessed, uh, Peter, James, and John witnessed the Mount of Transfiguration, but they witnessed God talking to Jesus once again. And so he is what he is saying right here, he is telling us that he is a witness to great things that have happened. That he, what he's trying to do, I believe here in the first chapter, is to give cre- uh, credibility to the fact that, look, I've been there. And and now I want to use the credibility that I have. I have seen God work in my life. I have prayed to him, seen prayers answered. I have seen great healings happened. I have seen uh, financial miracles happen. I have seen many things in my life that could not be explained other than God. And so I'm giving you witness right now that God will work in your life if you will allow him to do so. He will not work in your life if you won't allow him to. He will not force himself on you. He wants to work in your life, but he wants you to ask him. He wants you to work, uh, to, to allow him rather to work in your life because you, because you love him and you have a relationship. You hear his voice, you pray to God, and you begin to rely on him. And so that, that you can uh, see the miracles and the great things of God because of his power and his love for you. Brother Ron Stoidel is um, with us in the studio once again. Brother Ron, again, Merry Christmas, as we'll say this week. Of course, I don't know if we'll say that every day, but why not? You know, we're, we're coming up into Christmas season. It is a favorite time of the year that for me. But it's also a time when I want to make sure that we remember that we give Jesus glory and honor. And that's what Peter is trying to do for us here, is to remind us, give glory and honor to Jesus Christ every, each and every day of the year. 
Well, every day that we wake up, we should be praising him for another day. That's right. That, that we get that to worship right. him and, and breathe another breath. It's, it's amazing to me how people, the evidence is right in front of them, but they still deny the power of God. Even, even secular scientists these days, they can no longer dispute. Exactly. They're the, beginning to come out of the closet, if you will, and say, wait a minute. Maybe we were wrong. We, we can see the create, we can see a creator here. Well, and it's not even that they will see the creator. It's just that they have no evidence for anything else. Right. Right. Uh, let's put it this way. They're not seeing the creator, but they're recognizing the creation. Yeah. That look, this couldn't have just happened by, by a, a, a little bitty tiny something spinning millions of miles an hour and blowing up. When, when they have no evidence for anything else, they have to accept the only possibility that's left. And well, whether they'll accept it or not is on them, but they can't prove anything else. And they're, the evidence they do have, only leads to the biblical account of creation. And we were talking about CERN a few days ago. Yes. And the fact that, you know, CERN is, uh, let me see, it's in, it's in Europe. Where is that? Is that in Switzerland? Switzerland. It's in Switzerland. Yeah. And CERN is the, is the deal where they were trying to make particles, uh, atoms and, and everything, uh, bombard each other, trying to make that great explosion that supposedly the earth came from. And instead what they found is, wait a minute, there is no way that the Big Bang Theory can be correct by itself. There had to be some kind of force that if that is happening at all, which I believe in the Big Bang Theory. The Big Bang is in Genesis when it says God spoke. That's the Big Bang. It's the power of God which does not divide things that would have happened with evolution, but it unites things because it unites in the power of God. That's because right. Because he is the creator. God spoke. Bang! The universe was created. And that's how I say it. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was a Big Bang. I'm sure it was. There, there's a new movie out called Genesis Paradise Lost, and my family went and saw it. And it's a it's a cinematic representation of genesis one and they also have it's it's really a documentary but they made a cinematic portion of it showing theoretically what it looked like as god was creating the earth but it's it's a great documentary on scripture and science to prove the i don't even want to call it a theory because we know it's historical of creation so that i mean it's it's called genesis paradise lost it's it's actually going to be in theaters again in a, in just a few days for the last time, and then it's going to come out on DVD. But yeah, it's it's amazing how science can't disprove God and creation. They can they can try, but every time they do, it only leaves creation as the possibility. Exactly, exactly. And at this time, I tell you, I, I just want to take a moment. When is the last time you read Genesis? When is the last time you read Genesis one one? You know, I go back to that sometimes because I just the power. In these verses, reminds me, as I read them, I want to read them to you. We're going to read the creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening. And there was morning on the first day. And God said, 
Let there be a vault between the waters that separate the water from water. And so God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the the vault sky, and there was evening and there was morning on the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered in one place and let the dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation. Plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning on the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give the light to the earth, to govern the day and the night, to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning on the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. And so God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing which was in the water teems and that moves about it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in the number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning on the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds and livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and and the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and to all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw that he had made, that God saw that all he had made And it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. And then, of course, we know that on the seventh day, God rested. He saw that all he made was very good. And there was evening and there was morning. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work 
he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. There's power in that first chapter of Genesis. We forget the simple things as Christians. We forget the simple times of year. We forget Christmas was about Christmas. We forget Christmas is about Jesus Christ. We we think of it as buying presents for the kids and candy and and uh, maybe shows on Hallmark or whatever it is that you think about with Christmas. When I read Genesis, I feel the power that just surges within me because it's the power of God as he spoke all of these things into existence. And as he spoke them and he told us there was evening and there was morning on each day. So with it, we would know that within 24 hours, not 24 million, not 24 billion, not 24 trillion years, but within 24 hours, he created each thing on each day and then took the time off on the seventh day as an example for us, not because he was tired, because he's God, but he took off on the seventh day as an example that we might honor him for all that he's doing. And that's what we're trying to do on this broadcast, is honor God for all that he does in our lives. As these last days come closer and as my family draws closer to me, I'm beginning to recognize more and more the small things and all the things that I take for granted. Uh, Maybe the car that I drive that I take for granted, the house that I live in that I take for granted, the food that's on our table that I take for granted, the peace on earth that we have taken for granted and now is gone. Because there is no peace right now. There's terror out there right now that many of us walk in terror. If you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. You do not need to be afraid. Think of the peace of this season and know that you do not have to walk in terror, but you walk in the boldness of Jesus Christ. Brother Ron Stoidel. (sighs) Isn't there power? There is power. There's power in those verses. Yeah. This gets me excited. And that's what scares the world. They won't even say the name of the Lord Jesus Christ anymore because I believe they know just by saying that name, even though they don't believe in it, that there's power in it to act in their lives. And they're afraid of it. They're Absolutely. Af- they're afraid they might feel convicted of it. Absolutely. Well, Romans chapter 1 talks about the creation that I just read. Romans chapter 1. And it says, and he's, God says he gave us all of this creation so that men are without excuse when they stand before him there without excuse. Well, and that's what, that's one of the things that really disturbs me about churches these days. They want to pick and choose what scripture they want to talk about. Well, I got two verses here or two sections of verses that if a church is going to preach the Bible, then why don't they preach the whole Bible? Because Second Timothy three sixteen and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, the man of God, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all works. So if you're going to believe any of it, you have to believe all of it. And then 1 John 1. Now this goes back to creation, which you just read. Because there's a strange philosophy now of, well, yeah, God created the earth, but he used evolution to do it. 
Well, that completely contradicts Genesis. And then if you want to believe anything about creation, then you have to believe John 1. And I'm going to read a few verses. John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All these things were made by him, and without him not anything made that was made. Well, to me, that sounds like it contradicts evolution, because why would he create something and then have to use evolution to make it not, maybe not even perfect, but to make it better? Well, not only that, the word is actually void at that point, because the, what, did I, what did I just read? There was evening and there was morning. On the first day, there was evening, there was morning on the second day, the third day, the fourth day. There was evening and there was morning on the fifth and the sixth day. In other words, God specifically put that so that we would understand he is powerful. And Thomas Huxley, we've talked about this before, he was called Darwin's bulldog. He went around defending all of what Darwin had said. And he said, if you believe in evolution, you cannot believe in the Bible. All of you who call yourselves Christian and believe in evolution are not Christian because you can't believe in both. They're not reconcilable because Darwin's theory discounts the Bible altogether. It says that it happened a whole different way. That was the man who went around uh, and, and took up for Darwin. He's the one who went around and made, he was the spokesman for Darwin. Well, if he said that, how can you call yourself a Christian and have to justify the word of God so that it will, will meet what the scientists say? Well, if you're a Christian and you believe evolution, then you believe that when God created the world, he admittedly didn't create things perfect because then they had to evolve to become better. So, yeah, just in those statements alone and this verse, it's saying that God even realized that he didn't make things perfect, so he had to let them evolve to become better. And and really, in evolution, see, now, one thing you might be saying, well, wait a minute now, there has there is evolution that we see. Yes, there is a type, you could, I suppose, use that word, um, animals, um, they change. Well, it's the called... species of cha- of, of of animals changes, you know, it's because, I mean, you can have a no spot. There were probably no spotted dogs for a while. And then you had a black dog and you had a white dog. And then all of a sudden you had two of them joined together. They got spotted dogs. Now I don't know, you know, that's just a, a little, you know, that's not scientific. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. But the thing, the point is, is the dog never became the cat and the cat never became the elephant and the, and the, and the chimp never became a person. There's no evidence of that whatsoever. And in fact, if you've read any of, of uh, Darwin's theories and, and the survival of the of the fittest and all of those things, if the survival of the fittest is true, why do we still have apes? Because according to the survival of the fittest, those things die off so that the more strong things can survive. Well, your example of the dogs, where you have a spotted, unspotted, that they, they interbreed and then they right. have something different. We see that in, in humans. You yes. have different ethnicities get married, have children, and that child doesn't look like either of them. It looks like a mix. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, it's the or exact same thing. it looks like both in, in a mix, however you want to put that. But right, yes, yeah. 
Yeah. And so, so it's the same way because that, but that's not evolution. No, that's, that's just breeding. That, that child isn't part monkey now. Right. Or superhuman. They're just a right. different look of, you know, they're. And of course, scientists are famous for saying, well, the DNA of, uh, let's say, I don't know if it's a chimp or there's some kind of monkey, I think, is almost the same as, as a man. Well, what? there's a key word there. It's almost. It's not the same. And so you can't say, well, this, see, look at this, because it's almost the same. Well, yeah, but you look at all the animals, and they're almost the same in some correlation coming from one to another. So that doesn't that doesn't wash. And they've tried to take years and plug them in and say, look what happened here. And every time that has been called a fallacy or or a uh, or a, um, a fabrication. And many times that was a fabrication. I believe it was Piltdown Man that they were. They were saying, oh, this is the uh, the missing link. And all of a sudden, and then they found out they built it from the tooth of a pig. Yeah. Well, well here's, here's, my, here's my one question for teachers or scientists out there. You're willing to accept historical books written uh, about the world or science books written about the world because why, why do we believe them? They're historical evidence. Why is the Bible not the number one history book taught in schools. It's just, well, let me put it this way. It's just as historically accurate as any history book taught in schools. We know it's more, but we'll use it as this example. A history book. Why is it a history book? Because someone wrote down what happened at that point in history. The Bible, even from a secular point of view, is a history book. It's a it's a book of stories that happened over the last six well until we'll just say the last six thousand years of human history. So why don't they use it? Well, and in fact, the history that they do use. Let's use Alexander the Great for example. Alexander the Great was not actually written about an account of Alexander the Great till hundreds of years after his death. So there was not an eyewitness account. It was written from some of his writings that they found. There was not really an eyewitness account. It was written from other historical events that they saw happened at the same time. But it was no true eyewitness account of him. And yet we say Alexander the Great existed and did everything he said he, said he did without even questioning that. But on the Bible, on the other hand, there are thousands and thousands. Now, and I'm talking about a copy. All they have for Alexander the Great is one or two or maybe ten copies of those writings. That's all they have. There are tens of thousands of copies of the Bible, accurate copies, that you can go from one to the other with very, very little difference. Tens of thousands of those copies that are of the Bible that have never changed. And it's mind-boggling to think about that because all of these other historical documents they have, there may be hundreds at the max. But in the Bible, there are historical evidence from when it was written, and it's never changed. It's been passed down. All of those copies, which should, those inaccuracies should have started filtering in it for all those thousands of copies, but they have not. Yeah. And so, so why are they discounted? Because of the power of God. Because all of a sudden, I'm not in control any longer. God is now in control. Well, that's just like it. And I'm going I'm to put it out there. The brand new Bible Museum that just opened in Washington, D.C. It was originally designed to be a 
a teaching tool about the truth of the Bible. But it has now become just a blank history document of stories that happened in the Bible. They, Short of two little occurrences of Jesus, which they just acknowledge him as a person, a character in the Bible, the Bible Museum doesn't even acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ. And they spent half a billion dollars on this building, a, a museum of the Bible, and they don't even teach the Bible in it. And so it's not really a Bible museum. Well... That, that's what you're saying. It, it's... From a second, do they actually have a Bible there? Is there a Bible in the Bible Museum? Yeah, not that I've even heard of. But the funny thing is, they have turned it into a secular, just history, a politically correct, nothing. Well, a place to make money. They they turned it into a secular history book instead of what it really is—the power of the gospel. Uh, well, yeah, it's no longer spiritual. It's just another history book of stories that happened. But they, they, basically what they did was they took out the, the power of the New Testament. Right. So that's they, that's the power of the gospel. That's what the, the New Testament talks about the power of the gospel many times. The power of God is the gospel is what the word tells us. So, so they've sh- removed that. Short, short of anything, let me just tell everybody that's listening. If you're planning on going to the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C., you're going to be wasting your time because Jesus isn't in it. So on that note, but yeah, I mean, it, if they're going to have a Bible museum, these scriptures that we just talked about, they might as well just claim that they're not even real because they're not even following the only, the old, the, the scripture that they're talking about that they're promoting. I'm, now I, I could say why they sold out and changed it, but we don't have time for that. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those. Now it's just basically. Well, we have a few minutes. Tell us why they sell out and change it. Okay. The, just, uh, I mean, the, because the, they've denied, let me read the scripture real quick, because they have denied the power of the gospel. Romans 1.16 says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. So the power of the gospel is the power of God. All right, so why did they sell out? Okay, well, here's what happened. Steve Green, the owner of Hobby Lobby, years ago had this original concept, and he wanted to build it in Fort Worth, Texas, a museum of the Bible to be an an evangelical outreach tool to preach the gospel, to get people saved, to create disciples to go into the world. Well, apparently it came down to funding and artifacts. He wanted artifacts for this museum. Well, who has most of the historical biblical artifacts? The Israelis or the Jews. Right. Okay. You know, who, uh, we know they're not the same, but one right. the okay. Israeli government had them, which we know they're Jewish. So he wanted these for his museum. Well, we know that Judaism and Christianity do not coincide. No, they do not. So... I mean, I, I don't want to break this to anybody, but I, even though I believe, you know, we, you, we've talked many times about this. So that's all right. Keep going. Well, there, yeah, there's a difference between an Israeli and a Jew. An Israeli right. is a well, national. I, personally, I think it's, it's the same as a difference between an American and a Christian. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly. it. A right. lot of people don't know the difference. You can be Israeli and be a Christian. You can be Israeli and be a Muslim. You can be Israeli and be that's an right. atheist. Ju- that's just a nationality. Yeah. Judaism or being a Jew is a religion. So right. now that we got that clarified. And that does not coincide with God. And, and I, 
what I was going to say. I don't want to break it to anybody out there, but Jews who practice Judaism are on their pathway to hell because they have not accepted the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Exactly. So that's that's all right. So, so, so here's it. what happened, and this is it's not theoretical. It's we've seen this by the evidence of what happened. He wanted the artifacts in his museum, and they dedicated one of the five floors completely to historical artifacts from Israel. Well, the compromise was going to be he had to take Jesus Christ out of the museum to be able to get these artifacts in. So, unfortunately, Jesus is now in the Bible Museum, just another character in the Bible. He is no longer the Messiah in this museum. And on the Jerusalem Post, it clarified that this is a testament to Judaism, this new museum. Hmm. So the Jews are proud of this museum right? because they see the Judaism. But Christ in was denied. Christ was denied. And so that, that work that that man did is for naught. It means absolutely nothing. Yeah, because you're not going to find out about... Jesus, no, in the museum, no. I mean, yes, you might. You'll find out about Yahweh, which is great because that's you know Yahweh is Jesus brings us to Yahweh, who is God, who is Almighty God. That's Yahweh, God the Father. But uh, it does not bring us. It cannot bring us to Yahweh because we don't have the pathway to Yahweh, who is Jesus Christ. And so Judaism will not bring you to God the Father. Uh, only Jesus Christ. He said, once again, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus said that he wishes that the Jews would have accepted him. Many times did he weep for Israel, but they would not accept him as Lord and Savior. And that is why the gospel came to the Gentiles. And as a result of this, I might have uh, offended a lot of people that that support the, the blanket concept that Israel and the Jews are getting a pass. Well, sorry. No, they're... you know, and here's the thing, and we have just about a minute or so left to talk about this, but I do want to mention it. I believe the nation of Israel is still in the word of God, but not, that doesn't mean it gives them a pass as far as salvation. It means that each one of those individuals in Israel have to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, or they're going to be the same as we are. We have to accept Christ. Or, or else we spend an eternity separate from God. Now, eventually, I believe the entire nation of Israel will recognize that the Messiah has come and they missed him, and then the entire nation may repent and come to Jesus Christ. At that point, they will be a Christian nation and be saved, but still, that's why I think we see so many miracles that happen around Israel, because it is still, God gives a lot of promises around Israel. However, that does not give them a pass that just because they're Jews, they don't have to accept Jesus. That's not right. what the Bible is saying. Well, and I, I, here, here's my thoughts on how it could happen and what you were talking about, about the Jews having their eyes opened. I, I'm one of those that I believe the way scripture is written, and it may be true, maybe not, that they're going to believe the Antichrist is the Messiah because of what of of how he comes to power, what he does in, possible, in Israel. Yes. But when he desecrates the temple, I think it's going to open their eyes that 
they may turn to Christ then. It's like, uh oh, wait a minute. Yeah, and that's kind of how I see it going. Whether it happens or not, I mean, right. to that's, me, that's the way I've I've always kind of seen it as well. So, one way or another, we know uh, according to Scripture, I believe Israel as a nation will turn to Jesus at one point in time, but they are not there yet. That means that those who have not accepted Jesus are still dying in their sins. And they are destined for hell. Well, that that is all the time that we have for today. Uh, this has been another exciting talk, and I'm, I'm excited to uh, have Brother Ron here with me to discuss this. I'm excited to have you out there with us discussing this as your emails come in and as you continue to listen. Until next time, I pray you receive his gospel power today. The shouts of loud obscenities they did not understand. Man who bore the cross for them Walked a guiltless man A godless man named Pilate Understood his innocence But so-called godly men of this world Boldly pronounced his sentence His lonely walk through town Shouts and weeping sighs. But Jesus walked on boldly, giving warning with his cries. He said, It's not for me that you should weep, but only for yourselves. If men do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it dries? Go, God, the